awesome, Ken, man. Well, well, really appreciate you joining me today. I've been a, a fan of, of Republic for a really long time. You know, the, the platform being built, all the products, I remember when it sort of first launched. And, you know, it's just, it's awesome to see what, what the, the company and the brand ha, has become. Before we get started on, on Republic, talk a little bit about your mission, just, you know, your journey and your sort of career arc to, to finally emerge into its a co-founding Republic. What was that journey like for you? Well, first of all, Brent, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I can't believe we're now in year eight uh, yeah. on this journey. Uh, and uh, so much has happened in the past seven plus years, but I think we are just barely scratching the surface at the very beginning. I think at the, at the core of what uh, we do, the mission, though, has never changed. And it's the conviction, first and foremost, that people should have the same access to opportunities when it comes to finance, money, wealth management, in the same way that we have the same access to consumption, right? Like yeah. you and I, you know, we may not be able to, you know, every day go buy a car. And some people certainly can do that, Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. But we have the ability to, meaning we don't have the money, but it's not like we're not precluded from it. So yes. if you're a teacher, we want everyone to have the same kind of like access to venture capital, real estate, movie financing, music financing, and the wealthiest among us invest in several different continents and countries. Yeah. And just being able to provide that accessibility, not necessarily that everyone would do that, but I think that financial access, financial equity is very much uh, at the heart of what uh, we uh, we want to see and what we've been building. Uh, but I started with my uh, involvement at AngelList, of course, launching mm. the very first few syndications. Itself is a form of accessibility and inclusion. Uh, and then uh, went on over time with legal changes here in the U.S. and beyond. Uh, we, of course, launched Republic in 2016. And since then, now have, I think, over three dozen Wholly owned subsidiaries and affiliated and sister companies uh, wow. and operating, I think, in three continents now, <laughs> each of which, in a way, is still a startup. Uh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but we've come a long way. When you were first, I guess, maybe the light bulb moment or the catalyst for starting you know, Republic. I know, I think it was 2012, sort of the job at, Jobs Act here in the United States was sort of enacted. And that perhaps opened the doors up for the possibility of a Republic like that to be built and, and sort of other platforms similar. Can you, I guess, take us back to maybe, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014? Was the Jobs Act and that passing the catalyst for the idea of maybe even starting Republic? I think there's one word uh, in what you just said, that really stood out for me, and that's possibility. And mm -hmm. I think uh, much uh, startup building a new company is capturing or hoping that you're that you launching and you capturing the right moment in time when yeah. something is just becoming possible uh, that no one else has seen it. Or, mm -hmm. or capturing it and that you're the first to market and be able to to flourish ahead of everyone else. So for us, 
It's crazy, but for 80 years, since the Great Depression, right, the retail public by law, by legal impossibility, could not invest in private securities. So through that whole Great Recession and the laws then changed in around 2012, but they didn't really get fully implemented by the SEC until 2016. So in the United States, that legal possibility didn't materialize until 2016. That's exactly when we and a few other firms uh, launched the business model of allowing the crowd to invest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And man, what what a journey it's sort of been from that point, because now you started with, you know, equity crowdfunding at its sort of foundational level was what Republic was sort of you know, built off of. And, and for those who don't know, I mean, maybe just a, a very, at a very elementary level, perhaps uh, people might not know what equity crowdfunding is. Can you just maybe explain at the base level of sort of what that is and, and, and why that's a sort of a new thing, you know, for the public and just for the financial sector in general? I think the word crowdfunding is as mm-hmm. broad, as pro- possibly yeah. as broad as the word finance. So let me define <laughs> that first. The Kickstarters and Indiegogo uh, in like the late 2000s, they launched with, I think, not to like, you know, to paraphrase their mission here, to allow people to come together and bring an idea into reality by pre-purchasing and funding mm-hmm. products. Like, I want to see a paper cup, assuming the paper cup hasn't been done before. So Grant and Kendrick uh, each put $20 in and pre-buy the first 10 cups. So that's essentially yep. e-commerce, but pre-purchase. You also have like the GoFundMe, whereby, hey, I need money for a trip to Vietnam to visit my ailing grandmother. Uh, and therefore, you know, Grant and a bunch of friends put in $10 each and give it away to Kendrick to fly to Vietnam. That's also crowdfunding. But the notion of equity, when you add on that term equity, it means securities. You Mm -hmm. have an interest in something that if they do well, you're going to get, you know, more value out of your stake. You're not getting a thing or a service. You're getting that upside and that that necessarily implicates securities law. So the world of commerce and finance is a there's a huge barrier in between, and that's the regulatory barrier. That means the SEC and FINRA and thousands yeah. and thousands of pages of law <laughs> that separate the two worlds. That's the difference between the Kickstarter and GoFundMe world of crowdfunding and the world of equity upside crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. That side, though, the equity side, is by now barely tapped. But that means giving the general public the ability to have upside in the world around them. So if the Indiegogo's model of crowdfunding is about people coming together and see ideas coming to realize into products, then what we do uh, on the retail investing, we call it retail investing, right, in equity crowdfunding, is that people should have upside and share in the success of things around them they care and back and support. So if they're the first drivers and first users of the next Airbnb and Uber, there's no reason why they're not also a tiny stakeholder 
in these companies so that when these companies go public or get acquired, they get a little bit of a payment. As a nod, it's not going to make anyone rich. Just to say that you've been yeah. with us, you have a little bit of that upside. And I think that's the future that he, that is materializing in front of our eyes with or without Republic, which is hoped to be or aimed to be a leading player in that emerging ecosystem that soon will be the real, the next phase of finance. Just to give a couple of numbers here, since 2016, Republic has deployed over $2.6 billion in investments supporting over 2,000 ventures, everything from you know a startup brewery to even a movie, like you said, a film or a, a technology company uh, to a you know camping gear company, whatever it might be, a community of over 2.5 million users across 150 countries. Did this, did this even expand you know, your expectations or your, your wildest dreams of what the platform sort of has become? And we're still so young in it, right? When you take a step back and, and, and take a breath for the moment, like, are you pretty proud with what you and the team have accomplished so far? It's a great question, Grant, because it's a question about um, both reflecting on what we have done and whether it has met our and others' expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, on the one hand, we inc it's an incredibly difficult business model to build. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of, with everything that we quote-unquote accomplish, there must be 10 projects that fail. <laughs> right, right, right. So much money and sleepless night that people don't know about, of course. So on the one hand, just to persevere and like be here, and to be able to actually have deployed real money into businesses and allowing communities to become owners in things that they love, that, of course, we're incredibly proud of it. But I do think that the pace of adoption, everyone has expected it to be much faster. I probably had a more... Uh, temper the view of the pace of adoption. But to give you an example, 2023, we fully expected that uh, the economy and the pace of investment in retail adoption would be much more or, or much higher than what than what it was. So, uh, so a more nuanced take, uh, I think, uh, to answer your, your to answer your question is that I'm incredibly proud and grateful uh, to be able to to do what we have done at Republic with the support of our community, but. Uh, we are so early on in so many ways. I think we bear semblance to the profile of a pre-seed company, mm. despite wow. being quote unquote a unicorn. Like when people think of like, oh my God, you're a unicorn. It means like you're so stable and, you know, right. and, and right. uh, you know, team members work like five days a week and on the weekend, you don't have to like hustle all night. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, the weird thing is we very much have that, not only the mentality, but still the volatility and the upside potential of a seed stage company because the market is still so, so nascent. You know, like we, we've talked about what Republic was sort of at at its start, you know, you know, equity crowdfunding. And now the, the product line has expanded to so much. I mean, like, how do you, when, when somebody is first introduced to Republic, you know, now versus 2016, 2017, 2018. I guess, how do you explain Republic now to a person who's not familiar with it? It's their first introduction into it. You know, it's challenging indeed. Even when we <laughs> onboard a new team member uh, who yeah. typically comes in to a specific business line or a specific division at Republic and explaining to them uh, at a high level 
uh, a comprehensive view of what we do. If I may try like a 30 second explanation. For sure. And uh, it starts, of course, the mission is so that anyone and everyone can transact and trade cross border in small amount with liquidity, then we look at the solution currently and the private market is very much one country. You need a lot of money to play with no liquidity. What Republic is building today is the first and only investment infrastructure that allows someone, no matter net worth or background, to buy things, securities, Web 2 and Web 3, digital and traditional, Mm -hmm. cross-border with increasing liquidity and at scale across a wide range of assets. If Amazon at the core is an e-commerce infrastructure on which you can Mm -hmm. buy a wide variety of things from Netflix to books, then Republic is building a nascent e-finance infrastructure on which there are a wide variety of financial products to Mm -hmm. be offered that fits hopefully one day, whatever it is that the end user wants to invest or have an ownership in, they can go to Republic and expect that to be the first one-stop shop for that interest there. So we are a digital investment infrastructure company first and foremost. And on top of that, there's a growing array of financial products that provide more and more choices to the public from non-accredited to family offices with many million dollars. Right, right. Depending on the team member's expertise and interest, they will join a particular segment. No different than a team member joining Amazon, maybe working on the whole right. division versus mm-hmm. one on the uh, Amazon Prime division. Yeah, right. Or right. AWS uh, or <laughs> Audible. I mean, they have so many different companies, yeah. but you're, aim, you're right. Have, I mean, it's... We think that finance and financial products should be as accessible uh, as consumption and commerce. So we are building that e-finance, you know, parallel to Amazon being an e-commerce. When we talk about, you know, the the United States and then, you know, other countries around the world, there's so many laws and regulations in in every country, right? And and going globally and, and starting certain things. Has it been more of a challenge to grow products in, in the U.S. or to, to open in, in other countries? Like taking a company global has so many different dynamics to it. What I guess, what were some of the challenges? You, you know, obviously, you faced a lot of domestic challenges early on of building this financial infrastructure around you know, FINRA, SEC, all these different regulatory hurdles. Uh, when, you expand, when you start to expand globally, was it easier? Is it harder? Like, what is it like to, to grow a startup globally? It's so hard to do it just domestically, but you're going global. Like, what are some of the hurdles that you've faced as you've scaled? You know, Grant, uh, for founders out there, um, followers of your podcast, I think challenge can be a huge moat and a huge opportunity if you can hack it for mm. anyone else. So that example that I gave earlier about this invisible barrier between commerce and finance being the regulatory barrier. Mm -hmm. The additional complication is that that barrier looks and feels different in every single country. So it's far easier for Amazon or any e-commerce platform to launch internationally because much more lightly regulated. Uh, But for a highly regulated 
a business model, a republic dealing with financial products, you have to deal with overcoming these barriers, first of all, understanding them, and then overcoming mm-hmm. them in each new market, which is precisely the reason why right now, 2024, February, outside the Republic, there is no other private investment platform that has managed to cross border. We now operate between Europe and U.S. pretty seamlessly and have nascent operations or ownerships in a few other countries. But and, and we did so through acquisition and then combining the strength and weaknesses of the entity that we acquire. But indeed, figuring out how to bridge, make that first bridge cross-border um, was a ton of effort, but, but now gives us a very distinct advantage. Uh, but Grant, to give you one additional detail here, let's say for, uh, for the private markets, secondary trading and liquidity mm-hmm. uh, is critical. Uh, to, to yeah. flourishing private markets. The laws around secondary trading is much more onerous and extreme in the U.S. than it is in most countries. So gotcha. it's not necessarily that we face more challenges externally. Uh, it may very well be that the laws are different and you just need to understand them. And as it turns out, certain markets are even more right uh, to, to expand into than here in our you know, home base, uh, the United States of America. I want to talk a little bit about the rise of, of crypto and maybe specifically like, you know, stable coins or, or whatever it might be, how that maybe has accelerated the ability to go global, accelerate the, the ability of, of liquidity across products. Like, I guess the, the rise of crypto, has that been a really positive thing or or more of a headache, right? Because then you have to deal with that. And then there's new, <laughs> there's all kind of other things that come on top of that uh, regulation wise and just talking with, you know, regulators in general as that, you know, you know, obviously came top of mind to a lot of retail investors and institutions. But I guess, how do you, how did you see the rise of, of crypto play in the part of like Republic's lifespan and journey so far? Let me touch on uh, blockchain. Uh, or crypto uh, at the foundational level first, and then this application at Republic. Crypto as a technology, I think technology is, generally speaking, a wonderful thing. And this uh, is no different. Here you have a scenario whereby not a single instant of failure that is Bitcoin over the past, you know, many years, 15 years, right? There's no instance of breach of hack, every transaction has been done and validated and, uh, and maintains integrity. But how people use technology, that's where <laughs> it can be good or bad, yeah. desirable or undesirable. But technologies in and by themselves, in, in, in this case, distributed uh, ledger technology is, of course, a wonderful thing. And it's wonderful and transformative for finance because of its ability to fractionalize anything. The more yeah. Lisa, out a billion pieces and to automate so many things. And if you apply automation and fractionalizations to finance, it means, necessarily means, people are going to be able to do things more cheaply, a smaller amount. It necessarily means more people are going to be able to participate, more liquidity pool into every asset class, and naturally like rains to a desert that, you know, <laughs> things are going to become greener. Now, of course, if you then have edge cases, whatever the next meme coin may be, now that's, that's 
I mean, entirely speculative. And I think in yeah. that world, uh, so much of the activity is still around, you know, with the gambling mentality here. Yeah. But what we do at Republic is that we look at this as a technology that we believe will fundamentally change all aspects of the financial industry. Every share common and prefer, every LLC membership interest of a food truck on Fifth Avenue or in San Francisco yeah. will be all done digitally in the same way that, you know, electronic mail versus traditional snail mail. Uh, so we're <laughs> leading that digitization of financial infrastructure and it's core to what we do. But we're somewhat agnostic about the end product that's presented to the world. Put it another way, Grant, today, Republic has the ability to help someone, a company, let's say the 49ers, if they're like, hey, we want to send out $2 each to 5 million fans. Do we have the ability to do that right now that we can set people up on a Republic wallet, help the 49ers send out $2 each in stable coin directly to their wallet that they can convert back later. This is something that was impossible to do mm -hmm. then and it's impossible to do now without this technology. I mean, no one can right. send ACH wire in a cost-efficient manner, mm -hmm. $2 a pop to 2 million people. Right. That exemplifies the scalability and the cost-efficiency if you apply this technology to banking and payment settlement. One of many, many examples how yes. this is more, how this is transformative at that at that level. Uh, so yes, we are very much a digital financial firm. <laughs> and it's so funny, Grant, I have now to use words like digitization, uh, <laughs> digital, because crypto is a dirty word for yeah. money still, um, but it is yeah. what it is, the technology is here to last. I want to dive into a little bit of the, you know, right now as you're, you know, in the middle of, you know, scaling and, and going global and, you know, all these different, I can't imagine you, your day right now and what your calendar's <laughs> like. And, you know, it, it's got to be intense as, as it can be. I guess, what are some of the big hurdles you and the team face right now? What are the hurdles that, that you and the team are, are trying to solve for? Uh, first, I want to share a statistic. Um, in 2023, apparently over 3,500 venture back startups in the U.S. went under and uh, something like two-thirds of venture-backed companies that are still around have less than six months runway. We're mm -hmm. incredibly lucky in that not only that we survived 2023, we're in a pretty robust financial position, but we're navigating and wrestling with the question of capital efficiency every day, particularly when we're doing so many things. Yeah. And if one thing that seems to work to the external world means three other projects didn't work and cost us money. So I think the biggest yeah. stress, just like I think a lot of people now uh, in, in today's society, right, struggle with making sure that you manage your finance properly or every family needs to do that. I think we are no exception. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the more we do, the more the, the dance, the juggling <laughs> of capital efficiency becomes more intense. So I, I would think that that's probably uh, something that uh, takes up a lot of 
mental bandwidth for 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 me and uh, and the team at Republic. But uh, if we do it well, and if we do it better tomorrow than we are doing today, uh, it means the company is going to be that stronger yet as we continue to to grow. I think the second aspect of what we do um, that is uh, still quite challenging today uh, is managing a distributed team in part with some of the division being very much uh, in person uh, and Mm -hmm. no one has to silver bullet uh, you know in the same way that no one has to silver bullet on like a diverse workforce everyone knows that like if you have more perspectives at the table it's building a better product it's better for everyone but is there a company out there that has like perfect diverse views with how it means like no so uh, the bigger we are the harder it is to to address some of these uh, concerns and challenges, but uh, hey, nothing in life is worth doing if it's not challenging, right? <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned the you know the the startups that have you know ran out of money, filed for bankruptcy, just you know the hopes and dreams have sort of gone for the, those founders, right? It's 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 sort of a really you know tough time for for them and sort of their life. And I kind of wanted to talk about leadership and you know, maybe some advice you would give to potential founders, um, founders in, in sort of that scale up moment a little bit right now. What are some, some tips, advices, like whether it's books, whether it's videos, whether it's podcasts, whether it's mentors, what, what advice would you give founders around like leadership, how to hone that, right? How to develop that, that skill set and that quality? Could that be, do you think that can be learned and brought out of people, you know, or, or do you think some people are just naturally sort of born with it? I think like incredibly brilliant um, builders and quite influential, influential figures in tech, you know, like my former boss and mentor, Naval Ravikant, and mm-hmm. yeah, Alexis Ohemi and the world uh, have written many books about leadership that are much more insightful than anything that I have to share. But I have one thing that uh, if I may, I took an Uber ride from uh, a meeting uh, at Stanford to San Francisco yesterday. And the gentleman, the driver, uh, I think reminded me of something, something that I believe passionately, passionately in. And I think it is such a simple but a critical uh, advice and perspective that I certainly aim to remind myself of it every day. And if I would love to share again, which is, I walked into your Uber and he was like, how's your day? How are you doing? Is life amazing? And I'm like, my man, you're so positive. You're incredible. <laughs> yeah. And he said, he's like, Oh, I was like, how was your day? He's like, of course my day is amazing because I don't, I hold myself to having an amazing day every day. And I was like, are you serious? You've not had a bad day? He's like, no, my life, I don't give myself permission to not have a bad day because I woke up today. Guess what? I'm still alive. That won't be one day you're going to not wake up. And I looked around and all of my good friends and close family Everyone is still alive. Again, many days in the future, you're going to wake up one day and that is not the case. What choice do I have but not feel so, so grateful and excited that I have a day ahead and I'm still healthy and have all of these opportunities? I think if you remind and particularly if you lead a team, if you're on a on a mission to build something and on a certain days or weeks or months and it seems like everything is so hard and you just have or regain a set of perspective on how 
incredibly lucky we are to be able to pursue our mission and have mm. that positivity. That is what people who rely on you to lead, who rely on you to set an example, look to in the moment of challenges. And so yeah. you owe it to them, but most importantly, you owe it to yourself to have the right perspective and know that, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, that sense of gratitude and excitement and whatever it is that you need to do to have that sense of excitement and, and energy. Cool plunge in the morning, going for a run, meditation, hug your kids if you have kids, hug a tree if you don't have a, you know, if you love, uh, you know, plants and trees, whatever it is to do, like yeah. get yourself in the right mentality to have an amazing day. I really think that is a learned thing. Mm. Happiness and positivity is very much a learned trait. And it's a critical thing for any leader that aims to build for any length on any difficult journey. Love it. Love it, man. I'll, I'll end on the, the last question of just a little bit about the future and, you know, going back to to the team and, and the leadership um, and, and even the board, like over the next three to five years, what are some of the goals and successes you and Republic and the team would like to achieve? Wow. Uh, it's a hard question because I'm not one who necessarily uh, looks forward in the future and set this like critical goal, yeah. right? I mean, which is weird because you build a startup and the board and investors expect you to say, hey, next year, we're going to reach 2x revenue growth and we make yeah. <laughs> and, and we do aim for that. But like for myself and for like the team, I definitely passionately believe in the trend that assets are going to be rapidly digitized. The retail public are going to want to own things they care about. And the goal for us is to keep on building nimbly and continue mm -hmm. and more and more to be that go-to platform when people think about ownership. So if I can share one KPI for Republic in 2024, uh, which we share with our board, is that we want to make sure that there is a global, well-known brand. Maybe mm -hmm. 49ers, it may be Man City, it may be Twitter or X, it may be SpaceX, that come and use Republic's infrastructure mm. to allow the community and fans around the world, not just in one country, to own a little bit on a revenue share yeah. basis of that enterprise. If we manage to do that, this notion of finance and ownership will very quickly become a thing uh, that people will know about. They're like, hey, I want to own a piece of the Sacramento Kings too, because I'm like such a huge fan for like a decade now. Uh, so that's yeah. like a business objective. Uh, but quite frankly, uh, we you know, obviously continue to very much hope that like to just have fun doing this and make fewer mistakes than, than the right decisions. Uh, and if that's the case, and if we can end every single year and say that we, uh, we, we've got more done uh, than, than mistake, uh, then that's a good year. But yeah, I'm very, very excited about the future ahead, uh, notwithstanding all of the crazy insanities uh, in the world. I think we're trending towards a world that is still more connected through mm -hmm. technology uh, and more accessible, certainly so, so much more accessible. Amazing, Kendrick. Thank you so much, man, for, for taking the time. I, 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 like I said, I know you're busy. I know you have a lot on your plate, but again, super, super impressive what you and the team have built so far. You know, I know it's a, it's a very you know difficult sector to operate in, you know, domestically, globally, and it just takes resilience, man. 
you know, it really just takes resilience and a vision of what's possible to build in the financial sector. And there's so many hurdles and it's, it's really difficult, but it's also, you know, a, a mission we're fighting for. And so appreciate you and the teams, all the hard work so far, man, and best of luck to you and the team for the next decade. Thanks so much uh, for having me in. Uh, this made my week, my weekend, and can't wait for uh, a conversation uh, in the near future. 